Sorry, not Exodus. Turn to Romans, Romans chapter 12. And while you're doing that, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray today that that would just literally be our cry. That God, in the midst of what you're doing around us, in the midst of what you're doing through us, that God, our cry would be from the inside out. That souls would cry out, cry out for your hunger, uh, for your righteousness, and that God, we would seek you in everything that goes on in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, again, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 12. And I want to encourage you with this. And and really, we're going to wrap up our our Promises series. We've been doing a a series on the promises of God, God's covenant to his people. Last week, we looked at at the, uh, the promise of God's presence. And I think that's one of the things that we have to remember in the midst of, of, of what's going on, that we are promised God's presence consistently, constantly, that he is with us, he will never leave us, that he's not going to forsake us, he's not going to turn his back on you. He doesn't walk away from the difficulties and the struggles that in the midst of, of what's going on, whether it's the hatred and violence, the unrest, the racism at times for, for so many people, if it's COVID, if it's a loss of a job, if it's losing a loved one, whatever that is, that God's promised presence is always with us. And today we're going to look at, and I, I want to classify this, and we're going to call it the promises of life with Jesus. Now we're going to build everything off of one verse. And now I'm going to caution you with this because I'm going to do everything that seminary tells you not to do when you preach a text. All right, which is you don't just cherry pick a verse. Now, and I, I cautiously say that because I'm not cherry picking a verse. We're going to look at it in context, but we're going to build everything off of this one verse. And I want to give you the context of Romans chapter 12. If you remember the first part of Romans chapter 12, it says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. And so there's this stepping stone, there's this process of understanding what's going on. And then he says literally that as a result of that, he says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then as a result of what's going on, then you will be able to test or to know God's will, God's perfect and pleasing will. And then we come down into the verses that we're going to be in here, verses 9 through 12, and it's the identification of what's it really mean to love? In other words, what is real love in all actuality filled with? And it says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another, brotherly, Christian to Christian, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, I want to clarify and classify this just quickly as we jump into the verse I want to focus on. Keeping your spiritual fervor is one thing right now that as a result of what has gone on around us, most people have lost. Churches struggling, people quitting, people not going, people saying, well, I'm not going to go to church because all of these things. Now, listen, I understand that there are reasons to protect and guard yourself and things like that, but one of the things we talked about last week also was this idea that, listen, we'll go and do everything else, but church has been pushed to the back burner. I'll go shopping, I'll go hang out with friends, I'll go to extracurricular activities, but I'm not going to be involved in the church, but I want you to be challenged by this, never to be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor. 
And so here's what I want to do. Many assume today that the storms of life would stop as a result of following Jesus. Like when I give my life to Christ, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, that all of a sudden the storms in life stop. The problem with that mentality is you've never read scripture, obviously. The problem with that mentality is not a biblical-based mentality. The biblical understanding is that even in the midst of a life that is faithfully lived, being in obedience to what God has called me to do, living out his word day in and day out, you are going to walk through storms. You're going to walk through trials. You're going to walk through tribulations and struggles. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to face pain and loss. You're going to grieve and you're going to mourn. And all of those things still have to play out for us to understand what God calls us to. Why? Because God wants to work in your life during that time to strengthen you, to develop you, to equip you, to show you, number one, that you are still not the one who's on the throne, and number two, that he still wants to work and is still capable of working in your life and through your life. So the truth of the matter is when the storms hit you, when the storms of life continue to hit you, continue to rage, that you can rest upon these promises. And so I want to give you three promises today, all right, that I believe are based upon verse 12, all right? Listen to verse 12. We've, we've given you the context of what's going on. And now in verse 12, he says this, be joyful in what? Hope. Be patient in affliction and be faithful in prayer. Now you would say, well, that's not promises there, no, in reality, what he's saying is an, is an idea. It's a command. This is the thing you should do, that you should be joyful in hope as a result of what goes on. And so I want to jump in. We're going to kind of unpack this so you can see the promise that takes place. But I also want you to understand this. There are times in our lives, there are storms that are a part of life that we're just going to face. Every time before we would come into port on the ship, as we were coming into port, we would pass different buoys. And there's one buoy called the bell buoy. Anybody ever heard of bell buoy? Yeah, bell buoy. If you're in the Navy, you know what a bell buoy is because a bell buoy is a buoy that makes noise. It goes ding. <laughs> the wave hits it. The wind's blowing. And all of a sudden, the bell inside this buoy rings out. And guess what? You hear it. You know. Okay, that's, that's the sound of a storm that's taking place. That's the sound of a storm that's taking place. And as a result, that buoy's giving me warning that trouble is ahead, that there's going to be a problem if I don't make either a course correction or if I don't know the direction to go. And when that bell buoy, bell buoy dings, there is no other sound out there that you can hear. You just hear that ding. Matter of fact, as we would pull in to San Diego, there was a bell buoy out there. And oftentimes, if it was rough seas or something, you would hear that ding. But what was funny is those bell buoys were also an attraction for seals. The seals would be up on their sunning. They would jump up on the underneath side, sitting underneath the, the part that sticks up, and they would just be out there sunning. And just as a bell buoy is, a bell buoy rings only during the times of storms, I believe that the thrashing of the waves, the beating of the waves and the wind, how they bring out the music or the sound of that bell inside the buoy, just as that happens, what goes on inside of you as a result of a storm is the same way. 
what sound you make or what actions you live out or show to others is a result of the storms that are going on around you. It's kind of the idea of what, when you squeeze something, what you get out of it is a result of what's already inside. We recently had, we've been growing tomatoes um, this year, decided I wanted to make my own salsa. And I kept one of the tomatoes out a little longer and I went to cut it. And anybody who's cut a tomato that sits out a little bit long, too long, you know what happens, right? What happens? <laughs> it was like, well, I think that tomato's over, <laughs> right? It was rotten on the inside. Outside, it was like, okay, it doesn't look too bad. Cut into it, squeezes everywhere. I was like, yep, that's not good. It's not a matter. Listen, I believe this wholeheartedly based on scripture. It's not a matter of if, but when you're going to go through the storms and the trials in life. And I want to give you, listen, three promises today that I believe will help all of us in, in today's current time in, and in the future face the storms and difficulties in a better way. Three promises I believe that we can build off of verse 12. Number one is this. God gives us joy through Jesus. Here's the promise, that joy comes through Jesus. So I wanna give you the main statement as I've already given you number one. I wanna give you the main statement. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that our hope rests in the hands of Jesus, our Savior, who walks with us through the storms and get this, and intercedes for us. That our hope rests in the hands of Jesus, our Savior, who walks with us through the storms and as a result also intercedes for us. So here's promise number one. Promise number one, that God gives us joy through Jesus. Remember what he says in verse 12, be joyful in hope. Right now, one of the things that most people are desperate for is just this idea of hope. As a matter of fact, I was even talking to my kids on the way to church. And honestly, I, you know, this, this question was posed yesterday on, the, on, the, on my drive back from Montana. I'm listening to the radio and the question was posed, when will we return to normal? At which point I turned to Brooklyn who went with me to Montana and I said, I don't think we're ever returning to normal. I, 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 in my mind, I can't see on the horizon a point in time where, because we've honestly lost our ever-loving minds over most everything in this world today, I don't see a point in time where normalcy or what we'll call normal ever returns. And that may be a good thing. But I want you to understand this. He says to be joyful in what? Hope. It's not the hope that we ever return to normal. It's not hope in the fact that our government at some point will get their right minds turned on. It's not the fact that the politicians would hopefully at some point become unselfish and look for the betterment of others rather than themselves. It's not the point that at some point that we're not going to have violence. It's the idea that we have the promised hope in Jesus Christ. Be joyful in hope. He's not saying the hope in a person. He's not saying don't, don't put your hope in, in, in the president. Don't put your hope in our government. Don't put your hope in your job. Don't put your hope in your, even your spouse. But that rather you be joyful in hope. What is this hope that he's talking about? This hope is built upon the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, happiness is an emotion that's based on external circumstances. We talk about this trying to talk about it consistently. Happiness is always a result of what happens around us, right? Okay, good thing happens to me. I meet somebody, I'm happy, I'm joyful. Bad thing happens, what happens? Well, I'm sad. 
Most of us want to settle for happiness when what Scripture is calling us to do and really what is a fruit of the Spirit is what? Joy. Be joyful in hope. And what is our hope in? Or the better question would be, who is our hope in? Because if our hope is built on Jesus and Jesus alone, then as a result of that, regardless of the external circumstances or the storm that rages on the outside, I can still clang and gong on the inside. I can make beautiful music because why? Because I can walk through the storms and the trials with joy. Be joyful in hope. And God is the only one who gives us joy, and that joy comes through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if you'll notice in these three promises today, guess what all three of these statements are? He says, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. Guess what all three of those words are? Joyful, patient, and faithful. A fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All three of those things are played out here. See, joy doesn't depend on what happens to you. Joy is a result of what God is doing in you and through you. You find joy in everyday life, not because life is always good, but because God is always good. That true joy is a result of following a God who is always good because the circumstances aren't always going to be good in my life. I'm going to have difficulties. I'm going to have struggles. Joy, listen, is not necessarily the absence of trials, suffering, or pain, but rather it's the presence of God in the midst of the trials, the suffering, and the pain. True joy is a result of the presence of God, which is what we talked about, the promised presence of God last week. True joy is a result of the presence of God in my life as I walk through the trials, as I walk through the difficulties, as I walk through the storms, and as I walk through the pain. So listen, the Lord gives us joy when we walk in obedience to him. See, it's out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our life. So when the storm hits and the calmness of the Holy Spirit rises up within me, the calmness of that Holy Spirit begins to resonate in my heart. And now I can proceed with joy because joy is a result of God working in my life. It's not giving into the external circumstances or letting the external circumstances dictate, but rather I let God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, work in my life to create that joy. Joy has its springs deep down inside and the spring that never runs dry no matter what happens. One of the things this last week is we were, uh, we drove up on, on Tuesday morning, uh, Brooklyn and I left for Montana. We drove, we drove to Spearfish on, on uh, Tuesday night. We stayed in Spearfish and we went and saw three separate waterfalls in Spearfish Canyon, Spearfish, South Dakota. Beautiful. One of the, one of the, one of the falls is a result of, 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 in reality, water runoff. Now, if you've ever been in the mountains, been around Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Washington, as you go through some of these drives, Glacier National Park, Yellowstone, and things like this, just out of nowhere, you may be driving down the side of the road and a rock, right in the middle of the road, I mean, you'll just have this wall of rock, and right in the middle of the rock, all of a sudden, there's this water that's just pouring out, and it's a waterfall, and they've built some drainage underneath, so it kind of goes under the road. Sometimes in Glacier National Park, the water just flows right over the road. You just drive over it. But I want you to think about this. 
external circumstances happen all around Glacier National Park or anywhere that's outside, and it starts to rain, and it rains tremendously, and you have waterfalls everywhere. But you also have waterfalls that are a result of water that's already underground. And so when the storms of life happen and all of us face the difficulties and struggles, there are going to be times where we're going to have water just flowing out of everywhere. But listen to me. In the midst of the trials and struggles and the difficulties, in the midst of the temptations, what really flows out of us is what's already inside. And just like those waterfalls that come out of the rock when there is no rain and they're just seeping out of the rock, it's a result of the water that's already inside that the joy that's built up inside my life, when the storms and the pressures of life hit, that joy can flow out of my heart because that's the way the Spirit works, that it's flowing out naturally. And people are going to go, where did that come from? Because that's the weirdest thing. You'd be driving down the road and you're looking at it and you're like, oh, what the heck? Right in the middle of that rock, all of a sudden there's a, a waterfall coming out right in the middle. Where's that coming from? See, just as those waterfalls, God wants to use us. And in the midst of those trials, God wants to let joy seep out of us so that our external circumstances don't dictate our attitudes toward what's going on currently as well as what's going on in the future. God gives us joy through Jesus. Matter of fact, I want to share this verse as we kind of look at this promise. If God gives us joy through Jesus, listen to what Hebrews chapter 10 says. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And then listen to what he says in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. See, that's the idea. The hope professed is the hope that's built upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we can be joyful in hope. Why? Because the only hope we have is the death, burial, and resurrection of of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that offers us life and life more abundantly. So promise number one is that God gives us joy through Jesus. Promise number two is this, that perseverance grows as we patiently deal with afflictions. Listen to what he says again. Be joyful in hope, patient in what? Affliction. Patient in every temptation. See, many of us walk through life thinking, God's not going to give me any more than I can handle. Show me anywhere in Scripture where that says that. See, that's the misconception. The misconception by many is God will never give you more than you can handle. You better believe it, he's going to give you more than you can handle. On your own. What he promises to give you is to give you the strength, to give you his presence, to walk with you in the midst of every difficult situation. And so you may be at your wit's end and saying, I don't know how else I'm going to do this. And God says, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to walk away. So when you are too weak to carry it, you rest upon my strength. Because when we're weak, he is strong. So promise number two, perseverance grows as we patiently deal with afflictions. Listen to John 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Now listen, here's one of the things I want to encourage you with today is this, this great hope. Are we not having or are we not in a time of trouble? I would say every person, this isn't just believers, every person I know that I have talked with is like, you know what, I'm just done. You know, there's an adage, if I could just blow 2020 off the face of the earth, I would. There's lots of people like, I just assume 2020 be over. And I understand that. I understand that mentality. I understand that struggle. I understand that difficulty. But listen to the promise. Listen to the answer that Jesus gives. In this world, you not might, not someday, not okay every now and then. It says, in this world, you will have trouble. That, likewise, is also a promise that you and I are going to face difficulty and heartache and hardship and struggle. But listen to what he says, but take heart. In other words, don't get beat down by the circumstances that are going on outside of you. Take heart. Be encouraged. Have great joy in the hope of Jesus Christ. But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Every single bit of what God wants to do is a result of him overcoming the world. He overcame the world by dying on the cross for you. He overcame the world by rising again, defeating sin, defeating death. He overcomes all of the things of the world. And so I want you to understand, this is a great joy and a great opportunity. And listen, perseverance grows as we patiently deal with afflictions. Developing endurance during afflictions is how God works in our lives. I don't run as much as Sarah does nowadays. Um, matter of fact, I don't run at all. What am I talking about? <laughs> okay, but when I did run, I remember we had this high school in Wyoming that ran like, like we would run like seven, you could score, I don't know if you guys realize this, you could score, seven people could score. I think it's five now, right? You know? But only five score, that's what it is. Okay, so we ran seven, only five score or add to the team total, okay? All right? When we ran a high school or across the state, I'm not going to say their name, Gillette, I mean, sorry, um, Gillette, Wyoming was known for running like 35 runners. And some of the runners, the whole part, now Gillette never can, but some of the runners' goal was to take you out. So on multiple occasions, multiple runners on our team would be literally running a 3.1 mile race in Wyoming on a golf course with no shoes. Why? Because you didn't stop to put your shoe back on. You just kept running. Because runners would literally set out to take your shoes off. And likewise, they also had what we called the goats. The goats were the guys who wanted to sprint off at the start. They go running as fast as they can. And about a half mile in, guess who you're passing? The goat. Because the goat's exhausted. They're trying to set a pace that they can't keep forever. And likewise, that's what oftentimes happens in people's lives is we try and we'll get through life with this idea of it being a sprint. I'll sprint as fast as I could rather than maintaining a consistent pace of following God day in and day out, developing perseverance. We sprint to him, listen to me, when things get tough. God, I'm running to you with everything I got. Things are going good. God, I don't need you right now. We're good to go. Oh, things get tough. God, I'm running to you with everything I got. Things get good. Oh, God, I don't need you right now. I've got it. And the problem is that doesn't develop perseverance. 
that doesn't develop any sort of growth that's a consistent, faithful growth in what God wants to do. So you can sprint to God when difficulties happen, or I can consistently follow God day in and day out because perseverance grows as I patiently deal with the afflictions. Listen again what he says. Be patient in the afflictions. Why? Because God wants to develop perseverance. As a matter of fact, listen to this. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 32. And I'm going to just read through verse 36. Remember those early days after you received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. He says, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those who were in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So he says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Now, verse 36, listen to this. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Perseverance is the ongoing building up of receiving what God wants to do in your life and the promises God has for you. Romans chapter five says this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering, listen, produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. The hope that we have in Jesus is a result of the perseverance that goes on as we faithfully follow Jesus through all the trials and afflictions. And number three, the faithful promise is this. Number three, faithful prayer pays off. These are three promises I believe that we can build our life upon. Number one is that God gives us joy through Jesus. Number two, that perseverance grows as we patiently deal with the afflictions that God is taking us through. And number three, faithful prayer pays off. Listen to what he says, faithful in prayer. That's the ending of that verse. So verse 12 again, be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction and be faithful in prayer. Prayer is oftentimes the last resort when it should be the first step. Like when people have come and said, hey, pastor, I don't know what to do. Have you prayed about it? Well, no. Talk to my wife about it. Talk to other people about it. Have you prayed about it? No. Listen, this idea of faithfulness in prayer is not just a consistent prayer, but it's the idea of a persistent prayer. If you know anything about the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18, it's this idea that she felt like she was being ignored by this judge and she just continued to go to him day in and day out, over and over and over, presenting her request. And God says the same thing, presenting your request to me as you call out to me and I will fulfill my will. Listen to Colossians chapter four. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And so I just asked this question. If prayer is the strongest weapon in the arsenal that believers have, I wanna ask you this. When was the last time you prayed for God to do a mountain-moving work in your life? When was the last time that you prayed to God for our country? I listen, I see a lot of people complain and whine and post on social media. But do you spend as much time, and I'm not saying that that's this group here, do you spend as much time praying for our country as you do complaining about it? 
Do you pray for your leaders, for our leaders, for our government leaders, for our pastors, for those who are above and over us? Do you pray for your spouse and your family? Do you pray for your church? Do you pray for your pastor? All of these things are needed. And listen, faithful prayer pays off consistently. When we pray, we use the strongest weapon we have to our advantage or for our advantage We pray to use that weapon to fight against the very schemes and desires of the enemy. Have you prayed for your lost friends? Do you pray for your lost friends faithfully? Not when somebody says, hey, who are you praying for? But do you pray for them faithfully? Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So listen to me. Here's what I also want you to understand. When we talk about faithful prayer paying off, guess who's praying and interceding for you? Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, if you were to read all of Romans chapter 8, what would you would know is that in Romans chapter 8, before verse 34, I believe it's right around 20-something It says that the Holy Spirit groans for us when we don't know what to say when we're praying. So when I hear people go, I don't know what to say. Great, you're in the greatest position you could ever be. You want to know why? Because the Holy Spirit is praying for you right now. He is interceding for you on your behalf. And then listen to me, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. When we call this intercessory, intercessory prayer, it's this idea that Jesus is stepping into the middle of our storms and he's speaking to the Father for us. So when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to do, that we're not speaking on our own, but he is speaking for us. See, in the midst of the storms of your life, Jesus is speaking to the Father for you. And that's the promise, that faithful prayer always pays off because when I'm faithfully praying and when I don't know what to pray, the Spirit is groaning for me. When I'm faithfully praying, I still also have the intercessor, Jesus Christ, sitting at the right hand of the Father, intercessing for me. I'll be honest, and I'm just going to lay this out there. I believe the American church I believe our church, I believe most churches that I have dealt with are weak praying churches, period. I believe most Christians are weak prayer people because it's easier to sit in a Sunday school class and have somebody talk to us or it's easy to talk about what's going on than it is to just get down on our knees and pray oftentimes. That's what we think. When the first response in reality should be what? That we drop to our knees and pray. I just want to ask that question and I want you to think about this. Are you a faithful person of prayer? Do you faithfully pray? Or are you more like that sprinter, the goats, that you only pray when the going gets tough. And as a result, you just sprint out of the gate and when things are going easy, you back off and you don't pray anymore. See, when you forget to pray, 
Jesus remembers to pray. When we are full of doubt, Jesus is full of faith. When we are unworthy to be heard, he is ever worthy to be heard by the Father. And so that's the promise that we can carry with us, that faithful prayers always pay off because God wants to do a great work in and through you. As a Christian, there could be no greater necessary thing in your life. There is nothing greater than the prayer life that a Christian has. And a church can be no greater. Listen, a church can be no greater than the prayer life of the people in it. So when we ask ourselves, why are we in a certain circumstance or situation? We just got to ask ourselves, are we praying? When we get into a tough, difficult place, are we consistently praying faithfully? Why? Because faithful prayer pays off. And here's how I want to close today, because I think it's the utmost importance for us to understand, number one, that God gives us joy through Jesus. And I believe this wholeheartedly, that if you are without Jesus today, you can't experience the true joy that the Bible talks about. Number two, that perseverance grows as we patiently deal with affliction. And listen to me, if you're going through the storm and the trial and you're trying to do it on your own, you're never going to succeed. Because if you try and go through life on your own without Jesus, and you try and go through the storms and afflictions without Jesus you're going to end up a wreck because you're going to do everything under the sun to try and appease and stop these storms when the truth of the matter is that the storms are always going to be there. You just have to go through them with joy. And the only way you can go through them with joy is to have Jesus in your life first and foremost. And then number three, we said was faithful prayer because faithful prayer pays off. And I want to, I want to challenge us today. I want to challenge our church. I want to challenge those who might be online is this. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 says this, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. That's the promise. That's the prayer that God, God tells Jeremiah while Jeremiah is in prison. Jeremiah, you got to call out to me. And when you call out to me, listen to me, I'm going to answer you and I'm going to tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And so there may be things right now that maybe you've prayed about, but maybe it's been a prayer that you've dropped or you've stopped, you quit for some unknown reason. Maybe you stopped praying and it all together. And the simple fact remains that I believe wholeheartedly that the Lord wants to show us things that we do not yet know. If you think the Lord is thrown off by everything that's gone over the last six months, think again. I find it, and I said this when we were going through the book of James, I find it very ironic and yet very reassuring that we started the book of James three weeks before we end up shutting down church, if we won't call it that. The book of the scattered church, the letter written to the scattered church that was scattered as a result of persecution for them. But have we been scattered? Yes. In reality, we were scattered. And in reality, we can build our life on the truth of James. But I also wanted to challenge us as we walked into the season, knowing that a lot of us are struggling with difficulties. A lot of us have gone through some storms. And honestly, some have been without, some, with, without joy. And what I want you to understand is that the true joy can only come through Jesus Christ. And so when I say going back to normalcy, I'm not ever expecting normal. But that's okay. That shouldn't rain on my parade. That shouldn't re remove any sense of joy that I can have. Because when I go through the difficult situations, when you face the loss of a loved one, 
when you face the difficulties and the struggles of maybe losing a job, when you might have to wear a mask, when there's violence going on around us. The last I checked, that was all promised. It was all things that God promised would happen. It's going to take place, but it shouldn't remove our joy. Why? Because in the end, we know who wins. Because in the end, we know that Christ sits on his throne, supreme over everything. And that as a result, my joy is not shaken. My hope is steadfast. That I can walk through every difficulty with perseverance and I can faithfully pray because faithful prayers pay off. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the promises of your word that we can build our lives upon it. And Lord, we know that every promise is built upon the foundation that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, born of a virgin, died on a cross, carried the weight and the burden of our sins, went to the grave and rose again three days, offering us life and life more abundantly. And so God, I know there may be somebody here who's never put their faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe somebody online who can say, I can't go through these things with joy because I don't know Jesus. And I want to challenge you today and just let you know today, the Bible is very clear that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, that you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You confess that Jesus is Lord, that he carried and took your sins and my sins to the cross, and he rose again, defeating sin, defeating death that you can now walk through life with joy. Christian, if you're here today, and I just want to challenge you with this, are you faithfully praying and asking God to answer your prayers? Because faithful prayers pay off. Father, let us be a people of prayer. Let us build our lives upon the power of your prayer, knowing that it is the only weapon in our arsenal that we can carry, that we can wield, that we can use, that gives us your strength and your power because it's your work that you're doing. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.